Anyway, Father, thank you for the good word of God. Thank you for your precious people. These are holy people. They belong to you. They bear your name. So, Lord, we just bless them. We bless you and and ask, Holy Spirit, would you mature us? We want to be mature. We don't want to play games, be religious. We want to be like you. So grow us up in every aspect like you, Lord, that when people see us, they see you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. So back July the 10th, we were praying, Father, show us, reveal to us what it looks like to look and think differently than the world. Because there's a lot of opinions out there. I don't know if you've noticed. A lot of opinions in the world on what is truth and what should America be like and how should people be. But the church is to be a counter culture to uh, the world around us. Not a subculture where we just blend in, just look like them, but actually a counter culture. And what we've been doing is looking at, the Lord gave us kind of the 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 track to get there. Let me pull this up. There we go. If we're going to embrace our Father's kingdom culture and not the kingdom of the world, embrace your true identity in Christ. And if you don't have all these, we've broke these down. We've talked about what does it look like to embrace your true identity in Christ? What does it look like to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit? What does it look like to embrace the Lordship of Jesus? Uh, A lot of people, you know, he walked through forgiveness and forgiving others because he wants to be Lord of their heart. Embrace the health and healing of the kingdom. Stay immersed in His presence. Stay dressed in the whole armor of God and then live as salt and light. How many of you know it's uh, not the Lord's will that the only time we worship, we pray, we talk to Him is on Sunday? Okay, so we want to be people of His presence, just immersed. I love what Brother Stephen said. Uh, I don't know why he apologized because it was right on the money that the, the Holy of Holies is in here. I mean, we actually are carriers of the very presence of the living God. That veil has been rent, rent from top to bottom, six inches thick, rent from top to bottom, symbolizing that the Spirit of God was no longer, uh, actually it wasn't even there, but symbolically, and the Jews believed that it, it was behind the veil, uh, but Jesus had already told them, your house has been left to you desolate. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is not in there, He's in me. And when I, when I go to the cross and die, I'm going to release Him to humanity again. So that was a great uh, exhortation by Stephen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, because we're talking about salt and light, living as salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out. You are the light of the world. So we're not trying to become salt and light. We actually are salt and light. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. They don't light a lamp to hide it, but put it on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Look at verse 16. Let your light, Grace Church, let your light collectively and as individuals so shine that people see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So your good works, your goodness, your kindness actually put God on display, illuminate God for others to see. When you're good to someone, you're kind to someone. And and yeah, it can be an encouraging word, but it could be a gift. It could be buying them lunch, baking them a cherry pie. You take a cherry pie to your neighbor's house and simply say, Hey, I wanted you to know God loves you. No strings attached. He was thinking about you. I wanted you to have it. 
When you do those things, then they can see the Lord and begin to glorify the Father in heaven. Your good deeds, your kindness at school, your kindness in the workplace, the uh, light of God that radiates on your face allows people who may not be looking for God to have an encounter with the God who's looking for them. God is always looking for uh, humanity to make contact with people and individuals, and we're partners. God could do it without us, but He's chosen not to do that. If it's going to get done, it's going to get done with uh, our partnership with the Lord. Can I say it this way? If God was the only one in charge of everyday activity, it would look a lot better. So that should help you to know it's a partnership. He's chosen to partner with you and me. Let's go to Romans 15, verse 1 through 3. This is the Passion Translation. Do you remember two weeks ago when the Lord interrupted service and He said, because it wasn't in my notes, you didn't wake up for you today. You woke up to bear witness of His great name. You didn't wake up for you today. Everybody treat you right, be nice to you, so you can have a great day because life is all about you. You woke up to be salt and light. You woke up to put Him on display. Amen. Can I get a witness, though, that your private spiritual discipline time is probably the greatest key to having success publicly, to putting it on display? Jesus mentioned that in that prayer in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray, don't go make a show out of it, drawing attention to yourself so everybody can see you. Go pray in secret. And your Father who sees in secret. You have a Father who sees in secret. So if you want to win publicly, man, win privately. Win privately. Spend time sitting with the Lord. Spend time getting to know Him. I think it's important that we know Him if we're charged to to make Him known. Because if we love trying to make Him known and witnessing and evangelizing and discipling others, if we love that more than we love Him, if we seek those more than we seek Him, we're going to have to do a lot of apologizing. (laughs) <laughs> so let's get to it Romans 15 1 that was just a flashback for you now those who are mature in their faith are easily recognized that's us amen <laughs> how do we know because they don't live to please themselves but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity <laughs> Hello, body of Christ in America. I want, I want one day soon the world to recognize the body of Christ with this description. Those people never live for themselves. They truly do love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they truly do care about what happens to human beings on this planet. Amen, somebody. Amen. Those who are mature, easily recognize they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. Our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and actually do what is good for them and bring them to spiritual maturity. So when you bake that cherry pie and you deliver it to your neighbor or you mow their lawn for them just because you want them to know that God loves them, no strings attached, remember you're not doing it for stars in your own crown. You're actually doing it for their good. When you do good deeds, you're doing it for someone else. Not to score more points for you and Jesus. 
Why is that? Because Jesus scored you all the points that can be scored. You can't raise your score. Jesus, he scored the high score and gave it to you. So that when you love, when you give, when you serve, when you put God on display, you never do it for the return. Like you're lacking something. You don't lack for anything. You live purely out of the fullness and the divine nature of the Almighty that's in you. Does that make sense to you? We're never creating debt towards other people. We don't go back to the neighbor a week later and say, Hey, remember that, you know, when I mowed your lawn? No, you did that out of abundance. You did it out of the divine nature of God. You did it for His good. We want to grow. Amen? We want to mature. Verse 2, our goal must be to uh, empower others, do what is right and good for them, to bring them to spiritual maturity. Verse 3, for not even the most powerful one of all, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, lived to please himself. His life fulfilled the scripture that says, all the insults of those who insulted you fall upon me. Wow. Sometimes we get insulted, but we don't cry for ourselves. We cry for them. We talked last week about if somebody, if that guy is railing on you, he's at you, he's, he's always coming against you with anger, pray for him. He's the one who's broken. He's the one who's hurting. Amen. Be careful because the enemy will, he'll help you build a case in your own mind for why you shouldn't be Jesus to him. Why you shouldn't act like Christ to that person. He, the enemy will help you. He'll build a case this big. And it'll all be, well, he did this, he did this, he did this to me. So he doesn't get Jesus from me. What's John 13, 34 say? Anybody know? A new command I give you, Jesus said. It's no longer love your neighbor as you love yourself because some of you don't love yourselves. Love your neighbor, love one another just like I love you. What's the criteria for how we treat other people? How, tri- how Christ treats us? He's, he's your vine. Amen, somebody. We don't, we don't love and treat others a certain way for something else. And I said this last week, and it's still true again this week. I'm sorry. But uh, if you need your spouse to perform a certain way for you to be happy, you're not loving them, you're using them. Nowhere in Scripture does it say your spouse is supposed to be the vine. Jesus is the vine. Two healthy people who abide in Jesus as the vine, get their happiness from Christ, make a healthy, happy marriage. Two people that look to the other to perform in such a way that they can be happy is two ticks and no dog. They will suck the life out of each other. Brother Ron Bridges, some of you know him. After first service last week, he came up to me and said, Steve, you know, the mature are the ones who fight for people. The immature choose to fight with people. I thought, wow, that's so true. I'm going to put it on the screen. <laughs> here's some, here's eight traits. Let's do immature versus mature. The immature typically are self-centered. The mature, God-centered and others-minded. Immature, fight with people. The mature, fight for people. The mature, live out of the fullness of Christ's divine nature. 
the immature live needing from others and circumstances to be happy. That's what I'm talking about in marriage. Oh, I just need you to be better. I need you to perform better because all my happiness eggs are in your hands. Don't blow it. That's immaturity. All our happiness eggs belong to Christ. We're looking to Him. Be immature, live connected to and sourced by the world that's around them. So if everything in their world around them is not good, they're not good. But let me say it again. You didn't wake up for you today. You wake up, you woke up to be light and salt and to bear witness of his great love. You woke up to bear witness of his great name, regardless of what other people are doing and regardless of what other people are saying. So we, as the mature, we live connected to and we're sourced by Christ as our vine. The mature own their mistakes. The immature don't take responsibility for their mistakes. Blame game. Oldest, oldest uh, trick in the book, right? Go back to Genesis. Adam fell. He blamed God and Eve in one sentence. The woman you gave me. <laughs> that was pretty talented. And then Eve blamed the snake. Don't do it. And the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> it's still funny. After all these years, it's still funny. Ah, oh, goodness. Immature will promote themselves. The mature will promote Christ and others. The mature will seek to understand before being understood. Let me understand where you're coming from before I give you my spiel. The immature will try to justify strife and negative behavior. That's what I was saying earlier. The immature will justify why they're not showing Christ to this person. And then immature are hearers of the word. How many of you know hearing the word is good? It is good to hear the word of God. But the mature are doing the word. So all that out of Romans 15, just what does it look like to live mature? Uh, we mentioned last week about salt. Salt naturally does four things. It destroys, okay, by nature we destroy the works of the devil. When we live by the nature of love, we destroy hate. Number two, it preserves and heals. So we're preserving the ministry of Jesus in the earth. We're still here. Number three, it adds flavor. Salt adds flavor. Uh, one of the things I mentioned was salt improves flavor because it reduces bitterness. Amen. Uh, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then number four, it creates thirst. As born again children of God, we're to, and salt, we're to create a thirst for Christ by how we live and what we say. Make sense? Best thing you can do with those four things, sit with Jesus and ask Him, Lord, what does it look like for me to create uh, thirst for you today? What would you have me to do? What does it look like, Lord, for me to bring healing to my classroom? What does it look like for me to bring healing to my work cubicle, to my work environment? What does it look like? Amen? Because you can say all day long, Lord, I wish I could work somewhere else. This place is just full of the devil. And the Lord is like, I sent you there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I sent you there because all those people are full of the devil. You know he laughs at us. You know it's true. Laughs with us. 
Look at Philippians 2. I want to talk about salt or light today. I want to talk about light. Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear ones, as you've always obeyed, uh, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but even when I'm absent, work out, cultivate your, sa- your own salvation with reverence, okay? Serious caution, tenderness of conscience. This is Amplified Bible. Uh, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Verse 13, not in your own strength. Work out your own salvation, not in your own strength, for it's God who's actually all the while effectually working in you. He's energizing and creating in you the power and desire to will and work for His good pleasure. Wow, that's powerful. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Shall we go home? Is there anything else to say right there? Do all things without grumbling and complaining against God or questioning and doubting among yourselves. Why? Verse 15. Because this helps you to show yourselves to be blameless, guileless, innocent, children of God, without blemish or fault, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted, among whom you are seen as bright lights, stars, beacons, shining out clearly in a dark world. Amen, guys. That's who you are. That's who you are. You want to be happy? Live as light because that's who God says you are. You want to trudge through life? Live opposite of who God says you are and invites you to be. This word light, if you eat the word in verse 15, means we illuminate or make God visible. We make God visible. How many of you know Jesus did a great job of making God visible? Was it the carpenter suit that he was wearing, the earth suit, or the Christ that put God on display? Which one was it? The Christ. Where's the Christ, the anointed one now? He's in you. Okay? So you too, in the likeness of Christ, in the same manner, can illuminate, make God visible in a culture, wow, of spiritual darkness. That's the first trait there. Number one, light makes God visible. Uh, it helps illuminate God for others to see. I want to say again how important it is, because I know you want to win as the light of the world. You want, you want to live out as light. Make sure you're winning privately. It'll empower you to win publicly. Your Father who sees in secret, you're sitting with Him, you're beholding Him, you're eating the Word, you're praying, you're receiving from the vine, you're practicing His presence. Thank you, Lord, for your love today. Thank you for your great grace that's upon my life today. Thank you that all my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Lord, I forgive right now anyone that might wrong me today. Let's go have a great day. Do you see? If you'll win in private, it'll help you win in public. I love what the Lord's doing in Grace Church right now because He's really honing in on our private spiritual disciplines. The more and more we eat of Him, sit with Him, private spiritual time with Him, the more we'll be effective at reflecting Him. Everybody say, that's the truth. (laughs) Now, I know for me that at times I'm not as bold and forthcoming obedient uh, in sharing my faith or being light towards others as I should be. I mentioned this last week. 
We don't like to hear it, but the truth is there's times I love me more than I love them. And we have to grow out of that. We have to grow beyond being so concerned about ourselves. And don't let the enemy lie to you about your personality. It's got nothing to do with personality. The light of Christ is in you. He's in you. So you can bear witness of Him. But we've got to outgrow the idea of self-protection. Well, Lord, I just love me more than I love them. I don't want to look bad. He's not, he doesn't want to make you look bad. Now, you might suffer some persecution. But He really loves that person. How many of you know God is busy? If the God of the universe takes time out from a, you know, a million prayers a day or whatever He gets thrown His way and He actually speaks to your heart about your coworker, just do what He asks you to do. Instead of surmising all the different outcomes and reasons you don't want to do it. <laughs> Isn't that true though? The God of the universe speaks to us, Juanita, and then we start rationalizing in our mind all the reasons either this can't be God or I shouldn't do this. <laughs> if He takes time to speak to you, man, do it. Touch your neighbor and say, do it. All right. Go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Familiar passage here. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Verse 15 says, if you're there, say amen. Okay. When it was evening, his disciples came to Jesus and said, it's a deserted place. The hour's late. Send the multitudes away, Jesus, that they can go into town and buy some Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Let them go get some food. Verse 16, but Jesus said to them, are you ready? They don't need to leave. You feed them. Okay. Number one, we so relate in this story. Number one, anybody ever felt afraid or inadequate to be light and salt? Absolutely. Am I adequate, Lord? Can I really put you on display? Do I really have the goods? We all relate to this. So number one, verse 16, Jesus invites them into partnership with him. He invites them into partnership with Him. You feed them. Verse 17, They said to Him, just like we would, uh, We only have five loaves and two fish. In other words, we're inadequate. We don't have enough. I can't do it. We can't do this. It's not natural, not possible. So that's number two. We are faced with our own inadequacy. When He invites you to kingdom partnership... You're going to be faced with your inability and your inadequacy, just like the disciples are. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. This will never work. Verse 18 is the answer. He said, bring what you have to me. Whatever you do have, maybe it's just inadequacy. Maybe it's five loaves and two fish. But whatever you have, give it to him. And then what happens? The supernatural happens. He never once needed you to bring something to the table other than your trust in his ability to do what he wants to do. Whatever he's inviting you to do, he's going to do it. He doesn't need, he doesn't need you to have all the goods. I can't find one place in scripture where the Lord is asking and inviting a human being into partnership and saying, oh, wait, by the way, how much money you got? Uh, how much can you bring to the table? Except whatever they have. Remember the woman with the oil? 
She didn't, the, the jars of oil, she didn't have hardly anything. But whatever you have, give it. That's how we do this. So whatever you have, you give it to him. And then he does the rest. That's how the kingdom moves. That's how the kingdom gets advanced. So three parts there. He'll invite you to kingdom partnership. You're going to be faced with your own inadequacy. But then number three, give whatever you have to him and he will do the rest. Stacy and I have had so many people over the years say, you know, I just didn't think that God could use me. I just didn't think that, uh, you know, this would turn out right what he was asking me to do. And then it turns into what? Wow, God showed up. Wow, God really used me. That's the beauty of being involved. How many people have ever gone back to volunteer even in kids' church? And be like, man, I can't do it. Those are the people you want. That's who you want volunteering, not the ones that are, okay, watch this. I'm about to go back to kids' church. (laughs) No, we want the ones that are like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I got the goods. Sold. Because they're going to rely on him. And it's we've heard it so many times where people are like, man, I didn't think. I didn't think anything would come of it, but God showed up. What happens to us? Our faith grows because we discover, just like the disciples did, the reality of Emmanuel. God is with us. He's not only with you, He's in you to will and to do His good pleasure. He's going to energize you. He'll give you the desire uh, to do it, and then He'll furnish the supernatural power that's needed. Turn to Matthew chapter 10, just a few pages over, verse 7 and 8. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. All right, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Jesus says, as you go, preach. As you go, preach or declare, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely Give. Okay, so we learn to receive, we learn to abide, we learn to connect, eat the word in our private time. Freely give light and salt. What I want to point out to you here is he told his disciples, when you go into a a town, announce that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's available, the the kingdom of God. So according to Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The coming of the kingdom is the coming of the will of God. When the will of God comes to this town in Matthew chapter 10, what does he say to do? Heal the sick. Is it God's will to heal the sick? Yes. Because the coming of the kingdom is the coming of the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's why Jesus called it good news. That your father, think of this, almighty God, Elohim, he could be any way that he desires because he's God. But his nature, his will, his heart is to heal human beings of sickness and suffering. Cleanse the leper. Liberty to the cap. Set them free as freely as you've received. The coming of the kingdom is the coming of his will. The coming of his will, we start seeing uh, health. We start seeing healing. We start seeing freedom. That's important for us to know because there are people out there who think sickness is just God's will. No, it's not. Third John 2, I desire, brethren, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, that's powerful. 
So have confidence in the goodness of God, the God you serve, the God who lives in you, in the coming of the kingdom is the coming of his will, his desire, where what he says goes, and we get to see people cleansed, people healed, and set free. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Here's another one. It's on the screen for you. For you were once darkness. Notice he didn't say you used to do dark things. He said you were darkness. And if you are darkness, what do you do? Dark things. So when he says now you're the light of the world, what does light do? Light things. Light things. Yeah, it's in your, it's in your nature. The word light here, let me go ahead and read it. You were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Now this is a different meaning of the word light. This word light, if you eat it, is God's self-existent light. God's light shining in you. You once were darkness, but now you are God's light. God's self-existent light in the Lord. In other words, you're there to put God on display out of the very life of Christ that's in you. Let me ask you this question. Can a human being be like God without God? Could a human being reveal God to somebody without God revealing himself? No. So that's why, that's the gospel. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you so that his light, literally his life, could invade you, be inside of you, and God can reveal himself through you. That's why I asked you that about Jesus, the carpenter suit, or is it Christ that was present within that earth suit that is divine? It's the Christ part. That's the revelation, the reflection of God, and that part is in you. So we just need to continue to see him, behold him, spend time with him, let his glory be shown on our face, face and then uh, illumine him, reveal him. What a powerful statement. This is literally the life of Christ in the believer is who he's saying you are. You were once darkness, so you did dark things. But now you're uh, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I love that. There's a couple of other fruit of the Spirit for you there. Righteousness and truth you can add to Galatians 5. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The word expose, if you eat it, means to convince with solid, compelling evidence. Okay, it doesn't mean to shame or embarrass people. Verse 12, for it's shameful even to speak the things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. That's the life of Christ, for whatever makes manifest is light. Verse 14, therefore he says, Awaken, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will light you. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools in this hour. Walk wisely. Can I get a witness there? We need discernment in this hour we're living in. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. And don't be drunk with wine, that is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, come under the complete and total influence of the Holy Spirit of God on a daily basis. He likens it to wine because you, if you drink wine, you can come under the influence of alcohol. So that's the comparison there. Come completely under the influence 
of the Holy Spirit, he says. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the, la- in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful truth here, guys, because from Genesis on, God's plan was to colonize earth with his sons and daughters. Fill the earth with his light. I really believe Lucifer was already here when he made us. That's hard to really diagnose. There's a lot of different theories on when he actually fell to the earth. We know from Revelation that he did. But there was darkness over the face of the deep. And I believe that God created us. He wanted to colonize the earth with sons and daughters of his light. That's always been his plan. It's been his dream. And so our lives are to be this ongoing uh, witness to the reality of God in the world. When we worship God with pure hearts, when we love others as Christ loves us, when we do good works without growing weary, we are lights shining. We are lights shining in the darkness. A couple of other things that light does. Light is also a wave. So light illumines. Light is a wave. That means it expands and radiates in all directions. Like a pebble in water, it'll have a ripple effect. The light in your spirit can radiate and permeate from, from uh, out of you. Matthew thirteen thirty three. I love that passage. The light of your spirit, God wants to penetrate and permeate through your soul and your body. Your soul is your thought life, your will, and your emotions. Also, light can carry energy and momentum. So when you go into your classroom, who's carrying the, I'm not talking about new age energy, who's carrying the energy and momentum of the Spirit of God? You are. When you go into Walmart, when you go to the restaurant today, who's carrying the energy and momentum, the very light of God with them? You are. The enemy loves darkness. Can I get a witness on that? That's why I was telling you last week, he knows when you walk in the room. The enemy knows when you walk in because you're carrying the very light and life of God himself on the inside of you. So he knows who you are. How come you don't? Amen. Let's begin to come into agreement and see ourselves how he sees us. Let me show you this right out of John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Stephen, you guys can come. John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. In him, talking about Jesus Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. The word light here again, the self-existent very light of God, the radiance of God, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it, cannot overtake it. Amen. So... In the culture we live in, we are called light and salt by Jesus himself and then also light by the Apostle Paul to stand out, not to blend in, but to radiate and illuminate the very light and life of Christ himself. This is who you are. This is who you are in him. Will you stand with me? I want to say one last time, guys, how important this is. Because I know your heart. I know you want to live as light and salt. If you'll begin to win privately in your private spiritual disciplines with the Lord, make it a priority to spend time with Him, sit with Him, read Scriptures with Him. Don't dare read Scripture without Him. (laughs) 
let him, let him teach you and, and uh, speak to you through it. But if you'll begin to win privately, you'll see a change publicly. Is that fair? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You've never invited his life on the inside of you to forgive all your sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But you want to do that today. You say, Brother Steve, I want to begin a relationship with the living, risen Christ this morning. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to know him. Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Gathered church, will you open your hands with me just like this? Father, I thank you this morning for the gathered church, for the body of Christ. Lord, specifically for here at Grace Church, that you are maturing us. That you are growing us, Lord, out of self-centeredness, but into walking out the reality of who you say we are. We are light. We are salt. We are accepted in the beloved. We are chosen children of God, born again by your very Spirit, now containers of the very life of Christ himself. The same spirit that raised you from the dead, Lord, lives on the inside of us. We repent and turn from any unbelief. And Lord, give you permission by the Holy Spirit. Remind us. Remind us each day as we sit with you, as we talk with you, as we listen to you, as we walk with you. Remind us who you've destined us to be. We thank you for all these things and all your provision. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said... Amen. Come on, let's give Him praise this morning. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.